Hello and welcome to another Odds Checker podcast. This time we are going to be previewing the Qatar Goodwood Festival. This is episode one, looking initially just at some trends about the Goodwood Festival and also previewing Tuesday and Wednesday's racing. Sadly, I cannot be there to host this one, but I'm leaving you in the hands with two absolute pros and our very own tipster Andy Holding and Emmett Kennedy from Matchbook as well, who are the official betting partner of Goodwood. So lots to crack on with, and I'll leave it to them to take you through the first two days racing. Hi, Emmett. Andy, hello. Just back from the Goodwood members preview night for uh, for Matchbook, which was a, a great night, but um, it's kind of mad to be flying over for Goodwood back to Ireland and then flying back over for Goodwood next week, but um, very much looking forward to it. It's a, it's a great meeting, and uh, we at Matchbook are very, very proud to be the official betting partner for the first three days, so looking forward to being there. We certainly look as though we've got a very competitive uh, start to the meeting. Anyway, we're going to look at the uh, Lennox Stakes first, uh, which is a Group 3 contest for the older horses at 3 o'clock on day one. Um, last year, um, this result threw up a bit of a shock, Emmett, with um, Bretton Rock winning it at a big price. Given the competitive nature of the uh, anti-post markets at the moment, and we've got a lot of horses that run against each other quite regularly, and there's a good chance that we might get a little bit of a shock as well in it this year. What, what's your view on that, Lennox? Yeah, confused would be my view on it. I mean, obviously, the big news is that Expert Eye is going to tilt at Group 1 company instead, which I think is interesting, and we'll come on to that a little bit later on. So you're then left with a, a really wide-open race, and just looking at odds checker, tip to win is, is 6.0, and um, I don't necessarily know if I want to be backing him, to be honest about it. I think... I wouldn't say he was flattered in 2000 guineas. I think he, that was a fantastic run and his connections were very, very clever to uh, to Doha and win an absolute truckload of money. But um, there's one horse that, that really interests me, but it's going to take a little bit of explaining. And the horse is Clemmy. Um, I think if her connections decide to run her here, um, that will be something that we should be taking note of. She's currently 17.0, I can see, on, on odds checkers, best price. And um, the vibes about her at Royal Ascot, I was there for ITV, were unbelievably negative. Um, and while it might have been assumed that she would improve from her run behind Alpha Centauri in the Irish 1000 Guineas, she ended up getting absolutely obliterated by who is now undeniably one of the stars of the season. But her... She got close to Telford St. Joy last time out in the final stakes, even though she was still beaten a long, long way. Um, but this is a drop in class, and crucially, it's a drop in trip. And um, what she did last season, and it's possible she hasn't trained on, and if that's the case, that's a shame. But um, she was European champion juvenile Philly. Um, she's one of only two Galileos to win group races over six furlongs as a juvenile. She, she was an exceptional horse last year. And um, I think getting the weight allowance, if they decide to, to come here, I imagine Ryan will ride. She would be the one that's really interesting to me. And she's a price. You know, she's a, she's a big, big price right now in what is a wide-open race. But to be completely honest about it, I wouldn't be in the least bit surprised if something like Dubai uh, came out and won. I think it's interesting they decided not to go to the Curra and to, and to come here instead. Um, but they would be the two on my shortlist. But I, I definitely have a. I'd be giving one more chance to Clemmy just because I think she she represents a reasonable price now. Um, but it will be the last chance for them for. Her. Is it going to be interesting to see which one of Aidan O'Brien's horses he does actually 
send over and run this in this race. He's got a fleet review entered up as well as Gustav Klimt. Um, have you heard on the grapevine what race Gustav Klimt might run for, r- go in? I know he's late. He's entered in. The, I think he's in the Sussex Stakes later in the week. Yeah, he is, and, and that was definitely the race that they were aiming towards. And actually, Aidan O'Brien was sounding reasonably bullish about him. Um, interestingly enough, the connections of Tip to Win were going to supplement for the Sussex Stakes. Now they might still well do that, but I strongly suspect they won't with expert eye going for that race now. Uh, and I don't think Aidan O'Brien will, will duck Gustav Klimt for taking him on either. Um, so I, I think he'll go for, for the Group 1. Um, and that means then that, you know, could it be Love had a fantastic run in the Irish 1000 Guineas and, and again at Royal Ascot, but, you know, she's not, she's not great. Um, and they're kind of low on options then, really. Like, fleet reviews coming into this race in the back of a, of a huge run. Um, Spirit of Valor hasn't shown what he showed last season. So... Clemmy's got it all to do. She has to prove that, that the back class uh, can still come to the fore, but she'll love the ground, and the trip is ideal for her, and the drop-in class would make sense to me that, that she'll run here. So I, I suspect that they'll bring her, and um, she's too big a price in, in, a, in a wide-open race like this in, in that sense, I think. Yeah, I think this is actually quite a good betting race. It's a race that I like to have a, lo- a look at, uh, because I think there's going to be so many non-runners or horses um, likely to run elsewhere. You mentioned Tip to Win might run um, in the Sussex later on in the week. Obviously, he's dropping back to seven furlongs here, which is a concern. I- I'm, a, I'm a fan of Sedan's a lot, but I've just got a sneaky feeling that maybe Goodwood might not be his track, and he's had two relatively hard races of late at Newmarket, of course, in the, uh, the July Cup. Which brings me on to last year's race, Emmett, and I'm, I'm just going to sort of throw this out there. I, I actually think, I wouldn't say the key to this race this year, but I, I do think there's some value to be had, particularly given that David O'Mara's horses are running well. And I notice he's got Soudoir, um quite heavily entered up here and, and ran about an 8-1 to one chance, along with So Beloved as well. And they finished third and fifth respectively in this race last year. And both of those two horses didn't get the clearest to run through that day, whereas Bretton Rock... I don't know if you remember, came with a sweeping run down the outside, clear water. Down the outside, yeah. Where, where other horses were just caught in the backwashing behind horses dropping back in the lap, laps. And out of those two, I, I think So Beloved's got the most convincing profile this season. The, the only snag I've got about this fella, he, he doesn't win very often. Um, he's almost become a little bit of a professional loser, but he, he's around about a 20, 25 to 1 chance in the anti-posters. And I do think... He's a horse you want to look at with regards perhaps putting in a few of your each round multiples because he's run incredibly consistently all season. Um, he was run up behind Sedans a lot two starts ago at Newmarket. I thought he was unlucky the other day when Larchman Lad got first run on him in the Curra. Um, and, you know, he's, he's, that, he's, he's, he's a fairly reliable sort in these kind of events. And as we saw last year, given a strongly run seven furlongs, if he gets a trouble free passes, I think he could run well about 20 to 1. Yeah, I think you've nailed that. I mean, if he... Like so, his finishing position was fifth. But if you if you look at it, he's not beaten far at all. And um, I know it was good ground that day, uh, but you know the rain came and the next day, like Goodwood was just an absolute washout afterwards. Um, it was a disaster. But he was definitely unlucky the last day. Um, to me, he would be the kind of horse that I'd be playing the place market. Yeah, I don't see any reason why he wouldn't line up. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually think the fact that you know, I, I like the horse, but the fact that he was four and a half lengths behind Accidental Agent in the Queen Anne kind of sums up the, the Queen Anne form. 
Um, but but for me, there's a, there's a horse running later in the week, um, Gilgamesh, who I'm following over a cliff, I think, at this mm-hmm. stage. So I'm going to be sticking with him. And, and he's got form with him. He was only beating a short head at York uh, over this trip. So, so beloved is probably a horse that's going to get ignored in the market. And for a man in David Amara who's you know, just absolutely crushed it at the Curra uh, on Irish Oaks Day, I don't see any reason why um, So Beloved can't run a huge race um, and will probably not get the recognition that he deserves being an eight-year-old. So I think that's a really good shout, Andy. Yeah, that, that was it. I was just looking for a smidgen of value at this stage. Obviously, we've, we've mentioned a lot of horses that might not run. I know on the grapevine, I've, I've been told by... by um, someone in the Haggis Yard that Society Power has been sold to go to Hong Kong I think so I don't think he's going to be lining up in the, in the race either and you know, that's him out then that's him out um, you know Aidan O'Brien's only maybe going to run one uh, Lamarto probably won't go here so all of a sudden you know you're looking at a, a wide open race now with experts I not going and I, I can see Sabalubud going off half the odds that he is at the moment given his current form and in course uh, the form that David Omar is in at the moment so between us I think we've got Quite a few bases covered from a price perspective there. You, you quite like Clemmy at a price, 16's available at the moment. And I'll, I'll go with So Beloved if you can get that 20 to 1, which is still available out there with a couple of firms. Right, so let's move on then, Emmett. We'll, uh, we'll take a look at the other race we're going to be covering on day one, which of course is the Qatar Goodwood Cup. It's Group 1 status, 3.35. And uh, we've got last year's winner in the lineup, Stradivarius, of course. He's unbeaten so far this season. Winner of the Gold Cup. Won this race last year, beating Big Orange. Uh, and with the likelihood that Order of St George won't run unless uh, you're going to tell me otherwise, um, this basically looks his to lose. Yeah, absolutely. I'd be surprised if Order of St George rocked up here. I would imagine uh, Irish St Ledger and the Ark will be, will be his big tilt in what's probably his final season in training. And... Um, the fact that Stradivarius was able to put four links between him and Order St. George at Ascot really is some doing. He's just come on leaps and bounds. He's probably run uh, he's run a cracking race, but probably run one of the best St. Ledgers that we've seen in 20 years, yeah. I'd argue. Um, that was a, a fantastic race. I'm very excited about Capri coming back later this, this season. He's, he's not far away from his return, and I think he could be a forgotten horse in, in some of the big... Uh, middle distance horses, uh, middle distance races later this season, but Stradivarius is the standard bearer. You know, there's absolutely no question about that. Um, what he did at at the Royal Meeting in the Gold Cup was really exceptional. I mean, he, he deserves all the credit in the world for that. Um, the Zirabad is is a terrific form line as well, and um, he's just had too much from all the right horses are there. But Zirabad, uh, Torcidor, and and Order Saint George. The only slight concern that I would have with him, and I would love him to win this race because I'm a big fan of the Stairs, and I think the Stairs Million is great initiative, and the more we can see these horses run, the better it is. And I, I love to see the Stars of the Stallion as well. Um, the slight concern I have about him is, yes, he did the Ascot and Goodwood double last year, but the Queen's Vaz is now over a mile six, and he was getting the three-year-old weight allowance from Big Orange, who was probably softened up from that really tough race against Order of St. George. This time around, he's coming into it on the back of, uh, as the Aussies would call it, a gut buster in, in the Gold Cup. I mean, he can't not be feeling the effects of that. He's had to go through the pain barrier to go and win that day. And he's now got to go and do it again. Now, he's getting his conditions, and he's down in trip. And it may very well be that Andre Tini comes in for the plum ride, and he just cruises to victory 
and it's really, really simple. But I don't really want to be backing him at the price he is. Um, if you if you want to put him in as a, as a banker for the week, I'm not going to talk you out of that. Um, if you want to get stuck into him on Matchbook, we're 0% commission on all horse racing. In fact, if you sign up now to Matchbook, um, you'll get 0% commission on all sports until New Year's Eve, which I don't think is an offer that can be topped at all. Um, it's just an incredible offer and one that we're very proud to stand over um, so you're you're getting 0% about Stradivarius if you think that he's an absolute good thing um, that's fair I just wonder if that race is going to take a little bit out of him and there's two that interest me the first of them is Torciador um, because he's a fair place bet and he's a fair each way price uh, one of the most interesting things about him is I interviewed Kate Harrington for ITV and she was really nervous um, it was Gold Cup Day, and she was saying that since they got this horse from David Watchman, he hasn't been sound. You know, there's always been some kind of a problem. Something's gone wrong somewhere along the way. This season, Dubai, he didn't like racing in, but he really enjoyed being out there and getting the sun, as I'm sure we all would. Um, but he's thrived. He's been absolutely 100%. And he's run a, I watched it back this morning. He's run a mighty race. And he's been in front three furlongs out. Um, he gets swamped by Stradivarius and Bazirabad, and he fights back again on the inside rail. Um, it's, a, it's a tremendous effort from him, and I can't see him out of the frame. So I think he's a very fair place bet, and I think he's a very fair each-way bet. And if you really wanted to tilt at one, John Gotham was smart enough to go for, for the three-year-old weight lounge last year, and I wonder if Aidan O'Brien will do the same thing with Southern France. Um, he was well-backed at, at the World Meeting. Obviously, Ryan chose Kew Gardens, and now we know why. Uh, he was one of the most visually impressive winners of the week. But he's gone to Frank that form in the Grand Prix de Paris. Um, that might not be the strongest group one that you'll ever see, but it reads well in the context of this race. And he gets a fairly significant weight allowance. Now, he's got to improve lots to go and get Stradivarius. But he's a horse. He's not a machine. And he's had a tough race last time out. Um, I'd love to see him win it. But from a betting perspective, I would rather take him on with a place bet on Torciador or a win Yeah, I can certainly see all the angles you've thrown at us there. Very uh, descriptive um, way of analysing this race, uh, particularly from a place perspective and each way perspective. I mean, we all look at Stradivarius and uh, any fool could tell you that he's the most likely winner, obviously, because he's a four to six chance. Um, but I also quite like that angle that you've thrown in as well with the three-year-olds. I'm a big fan of Southern France. Um, I actually put him up on odds checker in the um, Queen's Vars. And although... He probably wouldn't have beaten Kew Gardens, who was brilliant on the day. I felt as though both the horse and particularly Shami Heffernan were like sleepwalking through that race. Um, whether that wh- whether that was just down to the horse's greenness, and I don't think Shami was looking to give him a particularly hard ride. Maybe he just felt as though that he was never, ever in a position where he could win. But the way he finished off his race down the outside suggested to me, I think if this horse would have been a little bit more streetwise, um, he might have got a little bit closer to the eventual win. And let's say Kew Gardens goes and runs well in the King George or even wins it Saturday. That form alone will stand out. And as you just said, with the £15 weight allowance that the three-year-olds get, as we saw last year with Stradivarius beating Big Orange, he could effectively become a really major player. And he's, what, round about 14, 16 to 1 at the moment? I just don't know whether if Aidan O'Brien is contemplating one, running one of his three-year-olds. Obviously, he's got Delano Roosevelt in there, Giuseppe Garibaldi still entered up. Um, it would be a shame if he actually didn't run one of those three, wouldn't it, Emmett, to be fair? Yeah, I, I think so. I, I think that 
you know, John Gosling's shown the roadmap here now. Like, he's led the way. He's shown, look, look at the fact that you're getting this weight allowance. Go for it. Stradivarius has obviously gone on to prove that he's an exceptional racehorse. Um, but it's, it's a huge weight advantage that you're getting. And if there's a nice prize in him, and surely it's, it's this. Surely you, you have to go and, and take your chance here. And, and we're both making the same points about the Kew Gardens form. I actually think you'll win the Kew George on, on Saturday. I'd rather back him than, than back um, Crystal Ocean at the, at the prices, certainly, uh, to go off on a bit of a tangent. But it, it, that's, we're, it's, it's interesting that we're on a similar line of thinking, seeing as you're one of the best tipsters in the business. I'm glad to hear that. Maybe I'm scuppering you here. But I just think that it makes sense to run him here. They're probably going to run Idaho. Um, and, you know, Idaho has disappointed on his last two starts, but was very, very good at Chester. So he could be a cup horse, and if he bounced back to form, he could be interesting. But southern France is is exciting. He's an unraced juvenile. Um, he's steadily progressing all the time. And that ride that you referenced from Shami Heffernan, um, Shami hasn't done anything wrong there. There's no point in beating up the horse if he's not going to do it for you on the day. No. And he's given him, he's given him the best ride that he can to perform in the best way that he can. But it's not like he was leathering the shillelagh at him to try and get him to, to get a bit closer. And um, that is going to reap benefits for the horse going forward, whether it's in this race or later on. But I think this makes sense. It's a very, very valuable prize. Um, you've you've got the experience of running over a staying trip already. He's clearly a talented racehorse, go for it. You're getting a huge weight allowance from Stradivarius. If you're ever going to beat him, this is the time you'll do it. And I'd rather back him than back Idaho. I think we need to be uh, putting our cap in the ring to be I know Brian's racing manager by the sound of it. <laughs> uh, so we... <laughs> <laughs> so we, Tell you what, if that happens, Aidan O'Brien's in big, big trouble. He is in big trouble, yeah. Well, I think he's in more trouble with me than you by the sound of it. But I, I think Southern France is an interesting runner. Either way, whether he runs here or not, I think I think we both nailed him down as a potentially useful stayer. Maybe the St. Ledger, I don't know, at the end of the year might come into his sort of remit. Um, but I think Torsudor, perfectly good each-way recommendation. I, I do agree with you. I think dropping back to two miles or on the two and a half at Ascot, uh, will suit him, and he's a prominent racer as well, which is what you need as well over that round track at uh, at Goodwood, as um, Big Orange proved last year, along with Stradivarius. So, okay, that's the goal. That's the main event on day one sorted. Right, we'll move on to day two then, and we're just going to have a look at the Sussex Stakes, which is probably one of the highlights of the week. Group one status currently, um, Expert Eye is now the favourite, being as he's been rerouted uh, from the Lennox, which has just come through on the wires. Then we've got the likes of Gustav Klimt, Beat the Bank, uh, Lining Spear, uh, and a few other refugees, let's say, from um, Royal Ascot that are, are ending up running here. So we'll, we'll deal with Expert Eye. He's a bit of an enigma, this fella. Um, I almost wrote him off, well, I did write him off quite unwisely going into Asc- uh, to Ascot, thinking that, ha- what kind of horse is he? We, can we trust him? And um, unfortunately, got a big custard pie in my face when he won... Um, uh, very easily, of course, uh, the jersey, which is a very competitive race. And we know, as we saw last year, what a devastatingly good horse he can be when he won the vintage stakes by about five or six lengths from James Garfield. That form looks very solid as well. What, what, how do you stand with expert I am? Is, it, is, he, a, is he a horse that you, you can now bin as his one trust? Or, or, or do we always have that little quirk at the back of our mind that he might just revert back to type? Well, it's a case of you and me both because I had to eat humble pie on ITV and it tasted vile. Um, I couldn't have got him more wrong. Uh, I thought he was done. 
actually, I genuinely thought he was gone at the game. Yeah, um, so did I. I, I. I really did, and I actually thought it was one of the other, the other Calad of Tulla horses was coming through to win because I was thinking, God, this, this is a, an impressive horse. When you're there live on the day uh, and, and the atmosphere is, is exciting, sometimes you can get uh, a little bit taken up with talk back. And it was only then I realized Richard Hawes was saying, an expert eye goes both three. Um, I, I certainly wouldn't back him at this price. He's an acclamation, and I think what he is is a sprinter. And um, like he was obviously very impressive in in the Jersey last time out. Um, it's fascinating that his connections have decided to supplement him and go for a Group One race. But if you think about all the lines that we've heard from Teddy Grinthorpe and from uh, the race manager to Calvin Abdullah and from Sir Michael Stout, he's clearly a brilliant workhorse. He was devastatingly impressive at Goodwood last year. Uh, which resulted in him going off the short price that he did in, in the Dewhurst, only for him to be unbelievably disappointing. Um, they retained the faith in him for the Guineas trial. They retained the faith in him after that as well. And then everybody abandoned him, rightly so, I think, and he bounces back to form. Um, I'm not entirely certain that a mile is what he wants, and I certainly don't think he should be favoured over without parole. No. Um, and, and I wouldn't be surprised if what we see later in the season is him drop back to sprint distances. But that acclimation factor, I think, is a really big one. Um, he's known for sprinters. But I respect connections an awful lot. But they have spoken about him glowingly so many times. And he's let them down so many times that just because he's put up a brilliant performance at the Royal Meeting does not mean he's going to back that up. And, and I wouldn't trust it. If he was a price, you could make a very fair case. But he's not. And as you said, he's now near enough favourite. Um, I think without parole wins. Mm-hmm. I was at I was at Sandown the day he he ran on his on his comeback. It's probably a blessing in disguise that he missed the two thousand guineas. I was very underwhelmed by him that day, but I was probably being very harsh because that was a comeback run. You know, he had a setback, um, things hadn't gone easy for him and, and that was very much a race that it was a stepping stone. And he's gone to the St James's Palace Stakes and and won, and ultimately, I think, won quite well. You could argue that Gustav Klimt could get closer to him. Um, and I'm very taken with the quotes made in O'Brien about how fast he thinks Gustav Klimt is. Uh, but, you know, again, he was... He, he displayed a stunning turn of foot to get himself out of trouble in the superlative stakes. And then we didn't see him again until the Irish 2000 Guineas trial, when he was visually very impressive. But he's weak in the market on 2000 Guineas Day. He's run well, and that form is good. Um, he's been fairly well held in the Irish 2000 Guineas. Uh, he's run a great race in the St. James Palace Stakes, but then he's gone to France and, and finished third. I think you could forgive him that, but you're having to forgive him a lot. The only thing is that because Expert Eye is now in this race, you're getting a much bigger price about him than you, than you would have. And if Expert Eye does what Expert Eye is known for doing, bomb out, then suddenly you've got a, a really good place prospect on Gustav Klimt. And I can see an odds checker. He's 9-1, nine, he's nine 9.0, 8-1 in places. Um, I think he's a very solid place bet, and he has the potential to go and win. You could get the, you could get the whole loose here. So um, he's interesting. But I, I think the, the one that's really exciting is without parole. And I would expect him to come forward from the St. James's Palace Stakes and go and, and win this race. 
um, particularly on this ground as well, which he needs. And um, I would hope that he wins and it sets up a fascinating clash, possibly in the Breeders' Cup mile, between him and Alpha Centauri. It's interesting that um, the three-year-olds have certainly had a, a big advantage over the older horses uh, in the last decade. Although in recent times, we've had a couple of uh, wild outsiders that have won that have kind of like thrown that stat out the window. We got Solo, of course, won it 2015 for Freddie Head, and here comes now who um, turned over the odds on favourite here last year as a seven-year-old. <laughs> yeah, one or two grounds of uh, avarition there. I can hear. Um, is there is there a case, is there a case to be made that if the three-year-olds don't come up to scratch, you know, the, the older brigades such as Lightning Spear, who represents the Queen Anne form, might just pick up some pieces. Of course, he was, um, you know, a gallant second, I think, was he last year in this race. He, he ran really well once again in the Queen Anne. Or is he just one of those ones, Lightning Spear, that always just seems to come up, come up short? I think he just always comes up short. I mean, he's a very likeable horse, and God, if you owned him, you'd, you'd be dyed with yourself because, you know, you've, you'd have had some great days and uh, and you'd have won a boatload of prize money, but he just doesn't do it in, in these big races. Um, he runs well most of the time. Uh, occasionally he, he bombs out, but um, that was a huge opportunity for him to win at Royal Ascot. When Rhododendron didn't fire, that was a huge, huge opportunity, and he still couldn't do it. And um, I don't see why, with the, the three-year-olds coming in here, that now all of a sudden he will. You know, he's, he's seven years of age. He's still a full horse. It's a credit to um, David Simcock that his mind has been kept right on the game um, because if a filly walks past him, he must be doing a cracksman on it and getting, and getting a bit excited at this stage. Um, but he, he's the kind of horse that I could easily see you being suckered into backing and I'd really want to avoid him. I, I, I wouldn't. And to be honest with it, I don't trust any of these older horses. Um, I think if... Like, we saw Beat the Bank win the other day, and last year Beat the Bank was, was really good. But if you ran that Queen Anne a hundred times, I think you get a hundred different results. Mm. Um, there's so little between them. and It's such a, a, a model finish. I'm delighted that Accidental Agent won it because it was a great story, and you had the emotion in the winner's enclosure afterwards, and it was fantastic. But they're much of a muchness. Yeah. They just beat each other over and over again. So I want to be with a three-year-old in the hope that, that they can come through and, and win and god i'd be disappointed if uh without parole gustav klimp or expert eye who i wouldn't fancy at prices couldn't win this i'd be really disappointed if one of those three couldn't do it okay um i think that's a f- fairly damning um sort of assessment of the older horses i i i, I half agree with you i'd I, I say i think that the queen anne at the time, it didn't look a particularly strong race with a 33 to one shot winner. But amazing, that form has worked out quite well. I mean, Lord Glitters, who was second, he, he, he finished second. Two beat the bank, of course, of six himself in the, the Queen Anne. So beloved was eighth. He's run well subsequently. Oh, this is also his 11th as one. Uh, Sue Dwyer, who only beat one home, has finished third subsequently. So, albeit it didn't, didn't look a particularly strong win all of the, uh, the Queen Anne and Rhododendron and co. bombed out. Um, the form subsequently has worked out quite well. But yeah, the three-year-olds definitely hold sway here. Uh, without parole, favourite seven or four, um, and very much your choice by the sound of it. Yeah, um, I, I mean, there's a part of me would really like to be ballsy enough to put up Gustav Klimt, but I just think without parole is really exciting. And now you're getting you're getting a very fair price about him. Um, you're right to point 
worked out that the form of the race has worked out very well, by the way, Queen Anne. The only thing I would say is they're still racing against each other yeah. and they're still beating each other. So, you know, now, now there's a new equation in the mix. And um, that's what would disappoint me if one of these doesn't go through. Um, I just like the, the talk from John Gosden. If you think about the hype talk that, that goes around Expert Eye, absolutely love um, without parole. And he's got, he's got um, a lot of potential. And um, he's beautifully bred. I'm, I'm a huge fan of the Lemon Drop Kid line. So buy Frankel out of a Lemon Drop Kid mare. I think he wins it. And, um, you know, the two, what is he, 3.0 now? Yeah. Very fair. Very, very fair, I think. I'd have been, I'd have been taking him on, funnily enough, if, um, if Expert Eye wasn't in the race and he was close to even money. But now that you're getting the price that we're getting, I'd, I'd, I'd have to be changing my mind and going with him. Okay. Brilliant stuff, Emmett. Okay, with that parole then, very much strong, strong choice for Emmett. I'd probably look at Lightning Spear from an H-way angle and, and perhaps put him in an H-way double with So Beloved. Those are the kind of bets I like to have. Horses that probably don't win a lot, but you get a 20-to-1 shot in the frame with a 10-to-1 shot, and that's uh, you know decent money. So I'd, I'd probably... That would be my angle on those two Group 1 races. I think uh, I'd probably swerve the short end of the market and look for a, a smidgen of value. Right, talking of... Top, 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 make, make sure, Andy, make sure you do the five... Five pound reverse forecast because if that comes off, it's <laughs> lotto time. I'm not. Um, I'm, I'm probably. I'm probably not the greatest uh, person you should ask about forecasts. I, I've missed a whole boatload over the years. I just don't. I don't bet those exotic bets. I just. I'm just. Uh, I'm just interested. I know. I know. I should do. Perhaps I need to broaden my horizons a little bit and look. Uh, look a little bit more outside the box. But uh, anyway, we'll move on. We'll talk about the uh, Sussex Stakes now. On. No, we won't. We're going to move to Thursday. I've already done the Sussex Stakes. We're going to talk about the uh, Nassau Stakes. I was getting my um, group ones mixed up, uh, which comes up on the Thursday. This is a mile and a quarter for the Fe- the Mets and the Phillies, of course. And uh, head of the market is Urban Fox, who was a wildly impressive winner last time out at the Curra, stepping up in trip. Likely to be taken on by a whole host of potential A. O'Brien um, Raiders, uh, maybe Robert Dedendra, maybe Happily, Magicals in the betting, of course, forever together. The uh, Oaks winner herself. I must admit, Emma, I was massively taken by Urban Fox when she won at the Curra. Uh, there didn't appear to be any fluke about that performance, the way she travelled, the way she quickened. She just seemed to hugely improve for the step-up in trip. And with the Willie, Willie Haggis Phillies, as we saw at the weekend as well, with the Irish Oaks winner, um, dominating proceedings at the moment. It, it, it's hard to see by this one as well, around about a 4-1 to shot at the moment. Some piece of placing, isn't it? To come over to Ireland and, and win the Pretty Polly with Urban Fox and, and then be ballsy enough to skip Epsom and bring C class over for the Irish Oaks and win that as well. Uh, you, you know, there is a perception that the Irish Derby and the Irish Oaks are, are Aidan O'Brien dominated races because of the multitude of runners that he's going to have and, and tactically how it's going to pan out. But actually, um, the Irish Oaks has gone to a foreign trainer, if you like to call it that, a UK or French trainer, um, seven times in the last 10 years. And, and it was a, a brilliant piece of placing from William Haggis. Um, and she's a great story as well, Urban Fox, that, uh, you know, for, for her connections that she's gone and, and done that. And there's every reason to think that she could do it again here. Mm. I just wonder if you're absolutely right. Visually, she was very impressive. I would think that Forever Together is a stare. And I can't really recall, I can't really recall a high-profile filly running for Aiden O'Brien in the St. Ledger. But I think she'd be a big contender in that. If she, if she ran in that race. Yeah. I think she's an out-and-out there. And, um, 
they tried they tried something. I admire the fact that they did. You know, there was a couple of horses on the sidelines. Um, happily, who won at the weekend would have been one of them. Uh, they went for it. It didn't work out. You know, she's finished second in, in a group one of a 10 furlongs. That's going to look good on, on the breeding paper. And she's already an Oaks winner, so she's already an incredibly valuable uh, broodmare. But I just wonder if Urban Fox was... I don't want to take anything from her, but I I don't necessarily think that was for her together at her best. Mm, yes. So I, would, I wouldn't be taking that form line and saying, well, look at what she did to her and what, or, what how close her together got in the Irish Oaks. Um there's a horse that I really hope runs here and it's Rhododendron. Um, she's a 10 furlong horse. And when she was going for the Queen Anne on the Matchbook Betting Podcast, we had Joseph O'Brien, who's our, one of our brand ambassadors, along with Brian e. Frost in, in racing. And he was extremely confident about her. And I put the question to him, Are you, you know, is your father trying to reinvent this horse as a miler because the division is weak? In, in older horses I said no 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 no. Um, she'll probably go back up to 10 furlongs later but they were very very confident that she was going to run well and for whatever reason she just didn't I don't know why they're not machines um, she's entitled to an off day and I would be willing to put that down as an off day because we know what she's capable of and you look back to um, her run in the in the 1000 guineas in the, in the Oaks behind Enable um, her win in France when she beats Hydrangea, who then comes out and wins in Champions Day, her form is exceptional. And um, back to 10 furlongs with Urban Fox making the market for her, she's going to be one of my strongest bets of the week. I could have custard pie in my face by the end of it, but she will be one of my strongest bets of the week. I think she's fascinating. And looking at the odds track, you're great, 6.0 in Matchbook. You can actually get 7.0 on Matchbook, funnily enough. Um, that's a very, very fair price about Rhododendron, and uh, I hope she runs here. I think she will. It makes sense. Back up to 10 furlongs. Um, Urban Fox is, is going to be tough to beat. She, she's the one who comes in with form, and Rhododendron has to bounce back. But the class is there, and the form is there, and I think she wins. I still think you're wiping um, custard pie out your eye from experts I win in the, um, the Jersey Stakes. <laughs> 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 yeah, well, if he wins, if he wins the Sussex Stakes, and, and rhododendron gets stuffed here. It really is going to be uh, custard pie all over all over the place yet again. I mean, looking back at the uh, the Queen Anne, and given the way the race was run and where she was behind Doville, I mean, Doville was there as a sacrificial lamb in many respects, trying to make the running because it looked like yeah. a bit of a tactical conundrum for a lot of the horses in that race. And she sat on the shoulder of the, of the front runner, and then to see her disappointing um, from sort of two down, at the, as you say, it wasn't her true running. And a similar scenario, really developed with regards Hydrangea, I thought was a bit of a, a head-scratcher in many respects, dropping her back to um, a mile um, when she took part in the, in the Duke of Cambridge. Now, I, I, I've always thought that she was at least a mile and a quarter or so. And, you know, she only just got beat by Rhododendron last year ahead at Chantilly towards the back end of the year. So is there a school of thought to think that she's a, a little bit of a player and a forgotten horse in many respects? Oh, I, I think so. If she lines up, She's really big. Um, and I'm looking at odds checker now, and she's 13.0, and and that's a really good point to make as well. I mean, look, they they kept her in training for a reason. Like winter was was packed off, so they could easily have continued on with her and, and think about what a, a dominant Philly winter was last year, and uh, and obviously Burlington this meeting as well. But Idrangia was was kept in training because they obviously feel as though she can 
and continue to succeed at, at this level. And probably the reason that she went for the Duke of Cambridge was they had Rhododendron for the Queen Anne. Yeah, good point. Probably didn't want to take on Cracksman, which in hindsight, you know, you couldn't have known the Cracksman was going to disappoint in the way that he did. Yeah. Um, but either way, you can't really blame the trip. She just didn't fire. And um, it's a good point you make about Rhododendron and the way she was traveling, that you know, she's in the right position but she doesn't go through with a run. Mm. So for some reason or another, she hasn't fired of the day. And it's the same thing with Hydrangea, who was one of the best back favorites of the week and just bombed. Um, wasn't involved at all in the finish. But she has the back class as well. And you know, when you go through this race, I mean, look at the amount of non-runners that are going to be. Uh, yes. Like Wild Illusion is a nice horse, but she's not a great one. Um, I don't think Aidan O'Brien's going to run Rhododendron happily in Hydrangea. I would imagine it'll. He could run Rhododendron and Hydrangea together. Steve Class is not going to run here. Um, so, you know, Trevor Together is not going to line up here, and she's a shorter price. So you're looking at a horse who has the potential to go off significantly shorter than she is now. Definitely has the class to win, um, and certainly has the class to be a place prospect. So I'd, I'd respect both of them. I think I think Aidan O'Brien's got a really really strong hand here. And whatever he decides to do is going to be very, very telling. Because um, with Magical and, and Happily in the lineup as well, like I said, I'd be surprised if they were the ones to go. I, I imagine Rhododendron runs. I'd be surprised if she doesn't. I think she takes all the beating. But if you fancy Rhododendron, you have to fancy her range. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Yeah, I mean, currently... Top price eleven to two rhododendron twelve to one hydrangea. I mean, there is a school of thought to say there might just be only six or seven runners if we get quite a few defections. So, if you're looking from an anti-post perspective, now is the time perhaps to step in with the uh, obviously three places on offer. So, Urban Fox at the top of the market four to one, deservedly so anyway on this season's form. Rhododendron very much a strong fancy there for Emmett, probably one of his best bets of the week, and I'd certainly um, throw my cap in the ring with uh, hydrangea in the hope that she uh, runs. There in the Nassau. Right, we'll move on to Friday then, and we'll take a look at two races here. We've got the big sprint contest, the uh, King George Qatar States group status, with Batash likely to be a very, very warm order um, following his excellent run, of course, in the uh, King Stand Stakes. And uh, of course, he won this race last year before going on uh, to uh, win the Group One at Chantilly. So he's very much the standard bearer here, Nemet, and he's, he's around about a seven or four shot. Um, I mean, he showed unbelievable speed, didn't he, Alaska? Almost too much speed for his own good in many respects. Um, and as it turned out, he just got picked off by the, the strongest day of Blue Point. But it was an amazing effort, really, to hang, t- hang tough as, uh, as far as he did, considering how much energy he expended from the start. Yeah, Jim Crowley came in for a bit of stick on the ride. And in a way, I can see it. I can, I can see, I'm very reluctant to criticize jockeys. But I can see why. But I, I think that, the plan went out the window um they probably had a plan made up and it was almost certainly based around lady aurelia and um you know your expectation from what she's done at at the previous two royal ascots is she's going to bolt off at a million miles an hour she'll set the pace for you and then you're going to try and pick her up um and then lady aurelia doesn't do that and ends up bombing completely and so suddenly you're in a compromised position and what do you do and um he ends up having to commit too quickly and um, as you said, gets nailed by a stronger stare in, in Blue Point, who's got exceptional form at Ascot. And I'd ignore his run last time out. Um, I think you take him away from 
from Ascot. He's just not the same horse. Uh, so, so Batash has an awful lot going for him here. This was the race where he announced himself on, on the big stage when he absolutely bolted up. But you have to remember the fact that he disappointed behind Marsha at York. Then he turned the form around at um, T, as he said, at the ARC meeting. Um, he fell in against Washington, D.C. last time, on his seasonal debut, I think on another day, Wayne Lorden gets up. And um, he's just a bit of a head case and an incredibly difficult horse to keep the lid on. And I think, I think they managed to keep the lid on him. So at, at the World Meeting, it's, it's quite difficult for the horses because they've got to go across the road. And because there's such a huge atmosphere there, um, like Batash, I believe, was extremely well fancied by Charlie Hills for his juvenile race at the Royal Meeting. And he was saying afterwards that, that the horse basically embarrassed him. Um, and obviously he's been a transformed character since he's had the gelding operation. But he's a very short price favourite. And when you have to look at horses with that kind of profile and price in the market, then you have to be very, very harsh on them and um, he's got to give away the group one penalty and he's a nut job uh, who's liable to do anything mm-hmm. and um, I don't really want to be backing him at that price and the horse that I would take a chance on with him just because I think this is so wide open is Sioux Nation um, so I think the reason Sioux Nation sorry I should say I think the reason that US Navy flag didn't go for the Commonwealth Cup is because Coolmore were convinced they had the race won with Sioux Nation before it even went. Uh, the vibes about him were unbelievably strong. He's taken a knock early in the race, um, but even aside from that, he was bitterly disappointing. As it is, he's run a fine race in the July Cup. He's run a really good race there to be beaten only two and a quarter lengths by US Navy flag. Um, that's much more like it from him. And Aidan O'Brien was saying afterwards, Right now, we know he's a five furlong horse. And uh, it's interesting that he holds an entry here. And I wouldn't be at all surprised if he rocks up 20 days. There's plenty enough time to recover from, from the July Cup. This is an ideal ground for him. And he's a big price. He's 13.0. Um, and I think that's more than fair about him. And I, I would rather back him. And I, I look, I would be prepared to bite the bullet here and back him anti-post. And if he doesn't turn up, then you've, you've got a busted docket. Because if he does run... He'll be significantly shorter. Um, I'm not afraid of horses like Catchy and Havana Gray, who, you know, he beat Caspian Prince, who's a really lovable horse at the Curra last time out, but he's got the potential to be an awful lot better than them. Uh, and then you're only worried really about Batash. Does he turn up or does he bomb? And there's got to be a terrible risk that he, that he bombs again. So I would I'd go with Sioux Nation and I'd take the chance that, that he runs. And if he does that he's capable of proving just how good he can be over five. Yeah, he was one of my big eye-catchers in the dual ice um, cup. I, I thought he was a bit unlucky that the weather ice panned out. He wasn't in the right part of the track, and um, he didn't get going until very late, but he came out very strong. And I can certainly see the case you've made out for him at the price. Um, I haven't got a particularly strong view at the moment on this race. This, this division always leaves me a little bit cold. I, I suppose if you gave me a bet again, I'm looking for something outside the box and... I've always had a little bit of a soft spot for Muthmere. Um He's got a bit to farm with Batash, I know, from his run at Haydock earlier in the season. But he's holding his form together really well. And I thought he was a bit unlucky the other day behind Mr Lupton. And that, that time figure that that horse clocked at York, 
Mr Lupton's a very f uh, smart horse at York. Um, certainly would give him a chance here. And given the way that this race is likely to be panning out, obviously catchy Batash, we've covered where all the pace is likely to come from. Muthmi is the kind of horse that will pick up pieces. And, uh, of course, he's won this race a few years ago. I think he won it in either 2015 or 16 if my memory serves me correct. So maybe he, he's one I'd look at at a, at a bigger price. So if you like what you've heard so far from Andy and Emmett and are looking to have a bet, make sure you look at the Odds Checker website or have a look at the app as well at BetHub. Uh, make sure you get the best prices for your bets. You can see plenty of tips there through the week from Andy and also some special offers from our bookie partners as well. So www.oddschecker.com, look on horse racing and to Goodwood. Right, let's move on to the more uh, grittier, uh, nitty-gritty race which is the Golden Mile. Now, this will take some sorting. Around about 8-1 to one the field at time of recording. Um, Tigger de Terre is the head of the market off the back of that win at Sandown. And um, you could argue that's probably the, 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 form, the key form line. A very similar race that was Sandown, around about 17, 16 runners on the day. They went a strong gallop, and I thought Richard Hannon's charge uh, won quite well. Uh, Escobar was second. He reopposes. It's very difficult to be dogmatic about a race like this, of course, until we don't know the draws. 22 maximum field, high draw, very much um, you, you don't want, you're going to be scuppered. All the trainers will be looking for a low draw. So it is a difficult race to have any kind of uh, overall viewpoint or be dogmatic about at this stage. But I, I would say that that is definitely the form, like I say. My time figures definitely suggest that Sandown race is a good one. And I think this one's a worthy favourite, around about 8-1 to one top prize, Tigre de Terre. Yeah, I'd agree with you. Um, I think he definitely set the standard and, you know, he, he'd have a three-pound penalty. Um, he doesn't need to get in, but there's every chance that he can. Uh, there was, uh, I was at the Goodwood Members Club preview night with um, uh, Maddie Batchelor and, and George Baker uh, last night and, yeah. and the, um, the course Ed was making a very interesting point. Because we're in this heat wave, uh, I've never seen a man want rain more in my life. Uh, he would love a proper good old-fashioned thunderstorm uh, and, and rain right now. And one of the interesting things he was saying is that cutaway rail that they use on the Thursday and then take away on the Friday, it's looking like they're going to leave that there, um, that that cutaway rail is still going to be there, right. which means if you're a jockey that's ballsy enough, you could try and go up the inside rail, which is you know Richard Hughes-type territory, um, you've got to be really brave to go and do it. Ryan Moore landing that big gamble for Michael Bell uh, a couple of years ago on a really well-backed horse and, and, and doing that as well. But it's, that's going to be a very interesting thing to see how that plays out. Um, and you're absolutely right. The, the draw is going to be uh, very, very crucial. Um, I'll go over the cliff again here. I'll, I'll jump straight over it with Gilgamesh. Um, but I'll justify it. Uh, we talked about Silver Loved earlier on and the form line tying in there. Um, he was really unlucky in the Victoria Cup. He won the race on his side. He's only beaten two lengths, so his seventh place finish is is, um, is a false reaction. Um, they dropped him in trip, which I thought would actually suit him um, at Royal Ascot, and it didn't. Um, now, he hasn't been beaten far, to be fair. Um, he's only been beaten two and three-quarter lengths, but he's He's ultimately finished seventh, which means if you're on each way six places, which I was, you're screwed in the walking. And then last time out, my concern about him, I was covering this race for Talksport 2, and I really liked him, but I had a huge concern, and it was that there was a lack of pace, and that he wouldn't get that to aim at, which is exactly what happened. He didn't get the pace to aim at. So I ignored that run. And um, I'm convinced there's, there's one of these big prizes in him. I'm like he, he did it at York. I think this trip is fine for him. And... 
uh, half his mark of, of 100. I'm and currently at prices of 21.0, 22.0. He's the one I'd want to be with. Um, and, and it is very much a horse that, uh, you know, he, he is a horse that I'm in danger of becoming just jumping and following totally over the cliff. But um, interestingly, he's out of flaming cliffs, so that's probably fairly well named in that sense. But I, I really like Gilgamesh, and I'm, I'm convinced there's a big race in him. And at the very least, I think he's a place prospect here. And, and again, beautifully bred fox wedge out of the King Mambo mare. I, I, I'm a big fan of this horse, and I think George Scott's going to win a big prize with him, and I think it'll be, I think it'll be this one. Yeah, it's a very interesting point you make about Gilgamesh, because... Uh... I speak to George Scott on a regular basis. Me and him sort of go, go through the form book together, and um, if he's got a um, sort of question he's asking, I try and come up with the right answer for him. And uh, we, we, the decision was made to go for the Woking based on the fact that we thought the mile might just stretch his stamina in, in the um, the Hunt Cup, and that was the reason why he went down the Woking route. Um, I always feel that the Woking winners often want seven furlong form, and after he won at York, that was yeah. that, that was very much the theory, but. He didn't get the clearest run through um, in the Woking, as you said, uh, and you can't afford to do that over six. I can tell you that, off the record, he, he bled um, at uh, Newmark, and that's the reason why he didn't run up to scratch. Um, certainly a that explains that. that. That explains that, rather than the lack of pace, because he was in a good position. So, whether he goes here or not, I don't know. I didn't speak to George about this horse. So, whether he makes it to Goodwood in time, I, I don't know. But I agree with you. He's a very talented horse. At what trip... And at what day he will have his day in the sun, he's obviously open to question, but he is very, very talented. Yeah, I, I, really, I really hope it comes together for him because um, like the, the Arcos family don't tend to mess around with, obviously, multidimensional was a gelding and they transformed him in America and he won a Breeders' Cup tour for him. Um, but they don't tend to mess about, you know, if a horse isn't doing it for them, they move on. Um, wish him the best of luck with his new connections and on they go but they're keeping the faith with him and um, I, I'm convinced there's a big day in him and he's just every time I look at this race he's horse I keep coming back to and keep being drawn to and uh, to be honest with it it's, it's a struggle for me out, outside of him um, to make a really strong compelling case for, for anything else mm. um, maybe maybe society power maybe but the market's found him well enough um, Tigger to Tear, I think, is is fascinating, particularly with the the Escobar form. Um, you know, when you consider, and, and we're just mentioning the the Hunt Cup, how easy Settle for Bay won, uh, and how well um, Escobar ran that day. For him to to then, you know, get beaten by Tigger to Tear gives you an idea of how talented that horse is. But he's got to get in, and again, he's well found in the market. So uh I'll, I'll probably end up falling over a cliff one of these days but um i, I hope i'm on him when he wins the big prize and if he gets there uh i'll, I'll definitely be be supporting him i've certainly got our all all got our own cliff horses anyway I mean, there's no there's no denying that so we'll uh we'll leave the rest of the golden mile then we're, we're not overly sure you you're a big fan of gilgamesh so am i i'd probably go escobar at this stage without knowing the draw i thought he traveled really well at Sandow, but probably didn't get the stiff mile then the uh, easier mile at goodwood might just suit him but we'll move on to the other tricky handicap of the week. It's the final day of uh, Glorious Goodwood. And we'll have a look at the uh, Stewards Cup, probably the most uh, difficult race to an- analyse uh, from an anti-post perspective, of course, not knowing the draw. We get a few pot shots at it during the week with regards five and six furlong form with the other handicaps. So we might have a little bit of a, a better idea near the time um, where we want to be drawn. 
But as it stands, um, a very, very wide open race. Have you seen any money in particular for anything at the moment, Emmett? Is there anything that's catching your eye? my eye and they're both trained by John Gosden and I'm fascinated to know which of them is going to run is it going to be in Blazons or is it going to be Dreamfield like Dreamfield ran really well in the July Cup and you can we were just talking about the Wokingham you can completely excuse him his defeat that day he was an inexperienced horse and these John Gosden horses that lack experience and go into big field handicaps tend to be backed as though defeat's out of the question but as we saw in the big handicap last year with the horse around the Sheikh Mohammed so So just an interjection. I think Tony Bloom has gone on record to say that he wants to drop a rain, doesn't he? For flaming speed, he won't go anywhere where the ground's genuinely firm. So that can be essentially ruling him out of both races. Then um, he's fascinating, and uh, he should go in the tracker um, yeah. for sure. Uh, he's switched to Dean Ivory. Uh, I think, um, to be fair, Kevin Ryan did a really good job at the horse, and just things didn't really go his way last season. But Dean Ivory's a genius with this type of horse, and I think it's smart move and Tony Bloom has been in the winner's enclosure quite a few times this season both in terms of jumps and, and very high profile flat horses as well so uh, there's a big prize in him but Emblazoned is the one that, that really interests me and I hope he's the one who runs and not Tringfield Yeah I'm, I'm just trying to think of that very good horse that uh, Dean Ivory's got that um, won at Ascot or is it the Breeze of Breeze is it I think is that, is that the horse he rem- Flying Spear reminds me of the Breeze of Breeze project uh, I could see him running in one of those really big handicaps towards the back end of the year on, on um, that big day at Ascot when they have a very competitive seven furlong handicap. I think that's Flaming Spears race all over, to be honest. Um, I think Labrisa oh, Breeze actually might have won. Champions Day, I think Labrisa Breeze won that a couple of years ago, did he not? You're right. And that's a really good shout, actually. Um, so, you know, this, this horse cost a small fortune um, as a juvenile. And, and when he went to the sales, Kevin Ryan worked very hard to make sure that, that, he, that he kept him in the yard. Um, he's a really strong traveling type. And um, he's definitely a horse who's got a, a huge race in him. With, like, without question, there's a, there's a big race in him. Um, and he ran in, 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 that, uh, in that race last year, didn't he? It's the Challenge Cup. That's right, yeah. Uh, the Heritage Handicap. And I really fancied him for that. I remember having a big bet on him. <laughs> having to... Having to uh, eat my humble pie, but um, that that run behind Settle for Bay looks fantastic. 
Yeah. And uh, you can only imagine that he'll improve at the back of that. And I think that's a really good shout that uh, that race in October in Champions League, that, that's probably going to be the big one for him. So uh, we can we can ignore him for this week um, on, on the grounds, but definitely keep an eye on him for Champions Day. And yeah, he, he'd be a big player for that. So, so in that case, if he's not going to go, it's, it's all about emblazoning for me. And I hope that he takes up the engagement. Um, it's probably the only good shout I'll ever make on this podcast anyway <laughs> about Flaming Spear. But we'll... Um... Hold, hold on a second now. I'm going to stop you there. You, you're banging out winners left, right and centre and they're not seven to four on shots. They're double figure prices. You're, you're a bit of a hero. So, as they say, um... as they say a bl- even a blind squirrel finds the odd note, Emmett. <laughs> <laughs> you're too harsh on yourself, Andy. Well, it's always best to play yourself down anyway. I, I quite like Fox, Foxtrot Lady myself. I mean, she's number 48 on the card. But um, ever since Lock Song won this in 2000, uh, 1992, um, sort of like the Balding family have been always very keen on winning this race. They won it with Dancing Star. I think it's related um, to uh, Foxtrot Lady in some way. And she's very much going the same way. Won that hugely competitive handicap for three-year-olds at uh, Newmarket last time out, showing a really good turn of foot and a good attitude as well to boot and um, was a bit unlucky at the time before York went drawn on the wrong side of the track but she would be the one I'd be looking at I think top price 16-1 with 3.65 Foxtrot Lady like I say does need a few to drop out but hopefully there will um, be enough defectors for her to get in Um, but she's she's the one I'd like uh, in the Stewards Cup right well uh, she was given given a big mention last night actually at the preview night by I believe it was George Baker if I can can remember quickly Um, so that's definitely a selection that's endorsed if I don't, there's a horse in the race. If I don't mention, then um, the final following podcast listeners will rightly have a complete go at me for not mentioning uh, the beloved George Bone, bred by my colleague Kevin Blake. Um, I don't know if he will take up this engagement. He's, he'll be carrying a six-pound penalty if he does. But for some reason, Richard Sight was talking to Kevin earlier in the season, for some reason this horse has improved massively this year um, maybe there was a little cork with him last year maybe there was a physical issue that's now been ironed out but um, he's you know, he's absolutely bolted up at Hamilton last time and look at the difference between Hamilton and Goodwood but if he did turn up he would be interesting and he's a big big price as well okay, that's another one to watch then cheers Emmett right we'll um We'll do, we'll do the two-year-olds. We'll just have a very, very quick talk about the two-year-olds. There are obviously one or two big um, juvenile contests uh, throughout the week, but we haven't got the entries at time of recording. Of course, we've got the Vintage Stakes, the Malcolm, uh, and the uh, Richmond Stakes. I'll, I'll just throw it out, out there uh, to the floor, Emmett, with you. Is there, is there any two-year-old that you would mark up for mascot that may be coming? I've, I've got three just to mention. I don't know if they clash with you. I was very impressed with um, uh, Soldier's Call when he won. I thought he actually. I thought he did really well. I think he actually did a, a calyx almost. He he was rowing his own boat towards the near side. Where I thought he showed a huge amount of speed and quality to win. I think he might go for the Malcolm. He'd be one I'd be uh, looking at. Um, another one that might be Malcolm bound is also called Shades of Blue, who was uh, third in the Queen Mary and so perfect. It was fourth as one since. I think the Queen Mary fourth form is really good. Obviously with the winner winning in France on Sunday. And the other one I want to mention as well was called Pocket Dynamo. Uh, trained by Robert Cowell. Uh, that horse finished second in the Norfolk behind Shang, Shang, Shang. Again, another horse that might be Malcolm but that form of that race has worked out well with um, Kinks running really well out of it the other day in the Super Sprint. So those are my three two-year-olds out of Royal Ascot that I, I think are almost certain to go to um, Goodwood in some um, shape or form. Soldiers Call, Shades of Blue, Pocket Dynamo. Is, is there anything that you'd like to mention in regards to two-year-olds or just in general about the two-year-olds you've seen so far this season, Emmett? 
I'm really excited to see Calix back again and, uh, and the potential of Calix taking on uh, Sergei or Sergi. I think it's Sergi actually. Sergi Prokofiev. Sergi Prokofiev. Yeah, very Russian. good. Very good. Yeah. Um, yeah, you you got to do the Russian hunt for an October accent uh, when you talk about him. I, I, I'm fascinated to see those two take each other on again, but obviously they're not going to be uh, taking each other on here. Um, it, it, it's a tricky one because you don't know who's going to line up. Mm. Um, I'm, I'm quite interested to see... Um, in fact, I'm very interested to uh, to, to get a look at um, uh, the Aidan O'Brien Philly... Um, who runs in John Magner's mother's silks and is going to run Fairyland. There we go, finally got it. Uh, he's going to run in the, on King George Day, uh, apparently, and uh, I'm fascinated to see what she can do. Um, I would be interested to know if the Irish Rover comes over. Yeah. Uh, I think he's capable of, of better. Um, I really liked what he did at Newbury. And um, it's, just, it's, it, it's a meeting that's, that's a difficult one to be completely dogmatic about anything um, and, and make a very, very strong case for something. Uh, if you give me a second, there is a horse that, that I was told about last night, which I should pass on. Um, and unfortunately, I decided I wouldn't keep it in the phone because, uh, you know, that would make sense <laughs> and uh, actually make, actually make a, a record of it. Your, your, your brain's well, cluttered up with that many horses. You, you, it, it surely makes sense, doesn't it, to, to either write it down or put it in your phone? You'd think so, wouldn't you? You'd think that would. You think it would make it just a slight bit of sense to go and, and, and put him in like that. But um, he's trained by Archie Watson, and he's a scat daddy. Um, and uh, he was very impressive the last day, and I think he's going to run in the vintage stakes, I believe. Um, so if I can get him for you here... I should know. Uh, I should know it because I've been keeping a close tabs on the two year olds, and, and Archie's got a, a decent bunch of youngsters this season. Uh, I think it, I think it's one in the last two weeks as well. And I just can't remember its name. I think I'm pretty sure. I think we're, we're singing from the same hymn sheet here. We, we'll, hopefully, we'll get its name anyway before the the, the program um, comes to its conclusion. Perhaps if you can, I'm going to have it in a second as soon as my MacBook decides to work. While, you, while you're doing that me. and while your MacBook is loading up, we'll, we'll just have a quick brief look then away from Goodwood um, at two races at the Galway Festival, uh, a meeting very much dear to my heart. It's probably one of my big betting uh, meetings of the season. I absolutely adore Galway. Um, and we're going to have a look at the plate and the hurdle, particularly the plate. This, this is the race I always like to have a real, a real good anti-post um, punt on. I've got a short list of three this year. Um, Peregrine Run. Peter Farhees, Slow Motion, Joseph O'Brien, and uh, Kalino Derrier from the Henry Bromhead stable. The reason I quite like Kalino Derrier is because it comes from the same angle uh, as last year's winner. Uh, being a horse that ran in a grade one race at Aintree, finished third behind Finian's Oscar. Uh, so any horse that's running a grade race and goes back handicapping from the De Bromhead camp, I, I'd certainly have more than a second look at. I'll be very keen on Peregrine Run as well. He he was third here last year um, behind Rath Vinden, so he's had, he's had a spin round Galway to get his eye in. And interestingly, Peter Fahey ran him on the flat the other day, ran him uh, behind Wicklow Brave in, in a race down in uh, Killarney, finishing fourth. He wasn't at the races that day. That trip was too short for him, but he, he ran him quite well to finish fourth. I think he's a player because he's a graded hurdle, uh, graded hurdle and a graded chaser in a handicap. And that slow motion finished fourth in the Grimes hurdle the other day. I thought it was a sneaky bit of... 
work by Joseph O'Brien, of course, ambassador of uh, Matchbook. Um, he ran him over two. He ran him over two miles at, um, at, at, um, in that Grimes hurdle, and of course finished third, I think, or fourth in this race last year, uh, behind um, Henry de Bromhead's winner. So, all those have got plausible reasons for me to be quite hopeful about one of those going really well. So, Peregrine Run, Colino Derriere, and Slow Motion would be my three anti-post horses against the field in the plate. What about yourself, Emmett? We got to respect Henry de Bromhead. Um, and he knows what it takes to win at the Galway Festival and if he lines one up for it then uh, that's that's definitely something that you've got to keep in, in mind uh, I have absolutely no insight into this, I haven't spoken to Joseph yet I'm going to be talking to him on Sunday for Matchbook um, and we will, we'll be talking about Goodwood but we'll, we'll get his thoughts on, on Galway as well and um, I think slow motion is a really interesting run as well, I think you've, you've cottoned on to something there um, she's a she's a fascinating horse, and um, I, I would definitely have slow motion on the shortlist. And, and Peregrine Run is almost a forgotten name to a certain extent. He was um, very impressive at Cheltenham two seasons ago. Absolutely bolted up yeah. um, at the November meeting, and then you know things went a bit quiet. I think his connections got very excited about him. Things went a bit quiet, but he's definitely got a big prize in him, and. Um, Who's to say it's not going to be this one? It, it's going to be fascinating to see. Uh, the plate's going to be really interesting as well because you're just going to see a sea of Kingstown and JP Silks. Um, run out of coloured hats, that, isn't he, I think? Say again? I say he's run out of coloured hats, Mr O'Leary, I think, hasn't he? In the <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I tell you, like, Desi has just retired from... The, the legendary Desi Scala has just retired. And he's probably relieved... Yeah. But he doesn't have to be uh, trying to figure out which what Gigginstown horse is that um, that's coming through. And, and look, Michael puts uh, an enormous amount of money into the game, and he sponsors races as well. So um, I have absolutely no problem with him having multiple runners. Uh, you know, when you pump that much money into not just one trainer but multiple yards, and then all the point to point. Uh, trainers that get the benefit from him as well and, and the, the smaller industry owners like him and Rich Ritchie and JP are invaluable to our sport and Graham Wiley and um, if they want to go and have multiple runners in a race so be it it would be my view um, but it's, uh, it's it's a great betting race it's a race that William Mullins obviously has got a, a really interesting record in as well and I'm fascinated to see who he runs. I, I, I'm, I'm going to be really interested to see who, who lines up there uh, in terms of the goal hurdle, but in terms of the plate, um, yeah, I, I'd be keeping a very close eye on slow motion. I'm guessing there. I'm, I'm kind of following you in there. Well, I'm not sure whether that's a wise thing to do, but anyway, I do think she's an interesting runner. She's got a little bit of a sketchy profile over fences, one or two if runs, but I think the key to her is good ground. I went through her career. Four best runs in her life have all been on good ground, so hopefully the rain will keep away from Galway from, for that horse's perspective, and of course the punters uh, next week at Ballybrit. The hurdle looks a bit of a tricky one. I uh, haven't got a strong view there. I, I thought Sharjah ran really well the other day in the um, Grimes hurdle. Um, when he finished third on that occasion uh, behind Joey Sasser. And I think it's just interesting that Rich Ritchie and Willie Mullins have decided to keep this horse on the go through the summer jumping period, having looked as though he was a genuine grade one hurdler um, through the middle of summer. I think the, I think the key to him is good ground, so he's another interesting contender in the uh, hurdle. 
Okay then, guys, that's a wrap. Thanks very much uh, for Emmett uh, Kennedy for joining us here at Odd Checker. Um, hopefully you've given us some uh, valuable insights uh, for the week. Are you going to be either at, um, I presume you'll be at Goodwood, and then are you going over to Galway as well, or are you just staying at um, Goodwood for the week? It's Goodwood for me. Uh, Matchbook are, we're delighted to be the official betting partner for the first three days of the Qatar Goodwood Festival, so I'll be there for, for the first three days, and uh, we'll be doing a lot of content on track, and as I said before, if you sign up for a new Matchbook account now, you get what I think is, obviously I'm biased when I say this, but Matchbook is the next generation betting exchange. And um, we introduced 0% commission on horse racing as a, as a new sign-up offer uh, back in February with the intention of running it until the Cheltenham Festival and ending it on Gold Cup Day. And it was such a success that we extended it and then we broadened it out even further to go 0% commission for new accounts on all sports. Um, so if you sign up now, you can benefit from that right through until New Year's Eve, which I just think is is exceptional. If you love betting on horse racing and Premier League and Champions League and NFL like I do, then that's a phenomenal offer. And um, we're regularly best price. Um, when you look at odds checker, you'll, you'll regularly see Matchbook is, is, the, is the best price available. So um, looking forward to it. It, it. The track looks fantastic. Um, the... Uh, the team there are a lovely bunch of people I mean I genuinely mean that and uh, look it's just going to be a fantastic week's racing I love Galway Galway's great crack uh, the two races that we've talked about in the Premier Handicap and the two year old race on day one are probably the main races to focus on and the rest of the time is spent on the bar um, <laughs> the racing is fine but, but they're the four kind of main races that I, I would think at, at, uh, at Galway and, and Goodwood just has this beautiful mix of really high class Grade one races, um, really talented horses running in, in grade two company, and then you've got fascinating, incredibly valuable handicaps mixed in with really fascinating two year old and maiden races as well. So there's a really nice mixture there over the five days, and I'm looking forward to being part of it for, for the three days. We fly over on the Monday, um, we're, we're there uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then flying back to Cork then, but really looking forward to it. Uh, if you can't make it, it's all live on ITV, don't miss it. And, um, yeah, we'll, we'll be there providing content for all three days. So matchbook.com, um, the app is available to download from all good smartphone stores and some rubbish ones as well. And uh, as I said, 0% commission is the best, I think, that you can get in the business. So sign up, take full advantage of it, make as much money as you can, and uh, all the very best for Goodwood. Thanks very much, Emma. I'm looking forward to seeing my uh, sign-up email in my uh, email box um, in the next few days. <laughs> <laughs> That should be fun. Uh, thanks very much for joining us, Emmett. Um, hopefully you've given us one or two uh, pointers. You certainly came up with lots of uh, plausible um, uh, selections along the way. Um, while we're talking about unashamed um, plugs, uh, my tips will be out on OddsChecker every day. Just go to oddschecker.com, click on the tips tab at the top of the page, and um, you can scroll down and read my um, usual garbage every day so hopefully I might be able to come up with one or two winners during the week I'm sure Emmett's given you a few thanks very much for um, um, giving us our time uh, today this afternoon em- Emmett and uh, hopefully have a great week at um, Good- uh, to Goodwood so if you like what you've heard from Andy and Emmett make sure you look at the Odds Checker website or the app to make sure you get the best price for your bet and plenty of special offers from bookies as well and-